this book we call the Bible is not just some dry literary piece with some mystery and some myth and some historical facts. Because God is divine, he has made a way that this thing the Greeks called the logos, which is actually meaning the, the expression of God in a tangible way. This thing that we call the Bible, that when we begin to read those words and ask for understanding, it gives opportunity for the breath, the divine breath of God to blow into us, to change us, to transform us. It is said of this book, the author of the book of Hebrews wrote these words in Hebrews 4, verse 12, for the word of God is alive and powerful. And how many of you appreciate being alive? And how many of you would like to be powerful? Plug in. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. This book is the epic story of us. And we talked about this last week, and if you weren't here, please download the podcast off our website because it gives you a really solid base of what we're going to talk about from this point on regarding this book. It is a story about us, but not just us here on January, what is today, the 13th? January 13th, 2013. It includes several thousand years ago. It's the story of a stuttering shepherd who had no confidence, but somehow was used by the divine God to take a couple million people away from their hostage situation and through a desert and into a promised land. It is a story, it is about what we probably would call in our vernacular today a pagan slut. And because of her faith in God, that when everything else was crumbling around her, including people's homes, hers stand firm and her family was saved. It includes a fisherman imprisoned on an island in the Aegean Sea off the coast of Greece who has this vision of what the end of the story will be like. This story is a quest. This story is about us living out and finishing what God's intention was for this globe, for this environment, for us in humanity. Read it honestly and you will see truth. Read it carefully, and truth will see you. There are those things in my life I know that I do not understand that are deep down inside of me. There are those things inside of me that resist God's intention for life and for me. This last week, I evidently was feeling some some pressure or some frustration. And I learned this lesson a while back that, that wherever I'm feeling anxiety is where Jesus is not Lord of the situation. Because when I understand he's got control, I'm at peace. Obviously, there were some things that I had not worked through. 
And so I had gone to bed, and Pam was coming a little bit later to bed, and so I was laying in bed, and, and I got into that stage. You know that stage of sleep you get to where you're just about to fall asleep, and you don't want anybody to bug you? Been there? So Pam crawled into bed and cuddled up next to me. All she did was cuddle up next to me, but somehow there, I had been, something was frustrating me, and, and she cuddled up next to me, and, and I yelled at her. Pam, stand up and let them see you. You can't yell at this person. <laughs> so I fell asleep after I've done that, and I woke up in the morning thinking, did I yell at Pam? So I, I, I said, Pam, are you awake? Did I yell at you? Yes. I said, I'm so sorry. I don't know what that was. I don't know what was happening inside of me. And she said, the weird thing was this, that after I yelled at her and she turned over and left me alone, she said, in a few moments, in my sleep, I began to pray in tongues. There is this thing going inside of us that we want to be with God, we want to communicate with God, and yet there's this other part of us that tears us away from him. That book, when you read that book, because it is alive, it's like inviting the hero of the story we talked about last week, Jesus himself, to enter into who you are and to scrutinize that which is inside of you so that you know and he reveals to you what is destroying you and what is healing you. Because it seems it's going on all the time inside of here. The scripture we just read said that, that this, this word, this living, this logos, will go into the inner recesses of who you are and reveal your feelings and reveal your thoughts. Perhaps things that you hadn't even known were there. It will begin to redefine us. This quest, walking through this story, redefines who we are. So this week, we have been slow on getting our Christmas decorations down, and with this lovely weather, we did the outside, and now we've got to do the inside. And Pam asked me what I was doing this afternoon, so I think I know what I'm doing this afternoon. And so we're going to take down Christmas decorations today, and, and we'll be taking down the six nativity sets in our family room. Six, because obviously we don't know what Christmas is about, so we need six. Seven, is the of Seven stay out of this. <laughs> Get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> So would it not freak you out if, if we did all of this, we took down the nativity sets and we packed away all the nativities and we packed away little baby Jesus and we, and we put it in a box and we took it out of the garage where there's storage. And tomorrow morning, I walk out into our family room and at the buffet table, there's Jesus laying there where we had let, taken him from the day before. And I say, Pam, did, did, did you move Jesus back in here? She said, no. So I go out into the garage, and I see the box that Jesus was in, now laying on the ground, and I begin to investigate, because I've watched CSI and NCIS, so I know how to do this. And, and so I investigate, and I can tell that 
that the box has been broken open from the inside out, would that not freak you out? That's the story. That has been God's intent that never, ever would he be boxed in. We go back to the very beginning and we see God's intention. Genesis, the first chapter, the 27th verse, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule, catch that, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This is God's intention, that he would build a world subject to his reign by means of human agents. We talked about this last week. We talked about Sarah going to class in a couple weeks on a Wednesday and and a fundamentals of music class. And God's intention for her in that class is that she will go into that class and whatever needs to be done there on God's behalf, she lovingly and authoritatively will rule on God's behalf as his image there. That no matter where you're headed tomorrow, it could be Lord Corporation, it could be Erie Insurance, it could be the Giant Eagle, it could be the Piper Burley, it could be wherever you're going. God said, I'm sending you there because my intention has always been that I will rule there as you rule on my behalf. That was God's intention always. That we would rule on his behalf and speak on his behalf. Adam and Eve were to speak on God's behalf. But we find instead of speaking on God's behalf, they begin to listen to an alien voice. A voice that says, I think there's an alternative ending here. A voice that says, you don't have to rule on his behalf. You have the authority. You can rule however you want to rule. And so they listen instead of speak. If we don't speak for God, then we stop trusting him. If we stop trusting him, then we stop connecting in a relational connection that gives us the authority because God only gives his authority to his children. And if we don't trust him, then we're no longer his children. And therefore, if we're no longer his children, we don't have authority any longer as we were deemed to have in this world. And when that happens, lesser gods with lesser authority begin to rule because we have no way to resist them. That was supposed to be spoken. The word of God was supposed to be spoken. Instead, they listened to an alternate voice and lost their authority. And therefore, that thing that now was speaking to them began to rule over them. And if the kingdom of God is the kingdom of right relationships, the first thing that was destroyed were the relationships, the relationship between God and man. They hid from him. It destroyed the relationship of husband and wife as they begin to blame each other. There was murder in the family between brothers. The earth began to decay. Human bodies were exposed to deadly disease. And evil came into our DNA. But you see, you can't box up God. He will break out and end up on your buffet table. He will be there. A man named John is standing by the Jordan River. 
and he has been declaring now for weeks, God's going to show up, God's going to show up. It's been 400 years, and he's been silenced, but you can't box him in. God's going to show up, God's going to show up. And Jesus walks by and goes, he just showed up. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You're going to become a child again because God's taking care of it. It was shortly thereafter that Jesus was walking on the sea of, by the Sea of Galilee. Later he would walk on it. At that moment he was walking by it. And he sees two brothers, Simon and Andrew, who are busy at their father's business. They're fishermen. And Jesus walks by and says to them these words which will redefine their identity. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. Jesus said, I know you're doing your father's business. I want you to come now and do my father's business. I want you to be agents of God's reign on this earth. As, as the United States began its war on terror right after 9-11, and we were at a heightened alert level. I traveled with about 15 guys, and we were going over to Macedonia to, to work with the, the gypsies that were living in garbage dumps, and we were going to see what we could do to help alleviate their poverty. And so with these 15 guys, we landed in Frankfurt, Germany, had a five-hour layover. We didn't want to hang around the airport, so we decided that we'd hop a train and go down into downtown Frankfurt. So we did that, and when we got downtown, the leader of the group, which is my brother-in-law, he and I decided we split off the group and just go to find some gifts for our wives. And, and so we said we'd meet you all back at the train. So we did. We got back to the train about the same time at the station, the same time they did to get on the train. And the group looked agitated. In fact, they looked a little bit nervous. We said, what's wrong with you? And they pulled us aside and they said, see that guy over there? And obviously by looking at him, you could tell he was Muslim. He said he's been following us. Wherever we go, he's right with us. We'll go someplace, he'll be there. He's stalking us. What do we do? My brother-in-law began to laugh. So he went over to the guy, the stalker, and they talked a little bit and, and smiling, and he came back and he pulled the group together. He said, I'm sorry, guys, I forgot to tell you. As we were getting ready to get on the train at the station leaving the airport, I saw the man standing by himself, so I befriended him. And he said that he was doing the same thing we were doing. He was trying to kill time, and he was by himself, and I thought it would be a whole lot safer if he just was with us, so I invited him to come with us. <laughs> the stalker was a guest. Invited into this community of safety. That's what Jesus meant when he said, I will make you fishers of men, fishers of people. To be a fisher of men, Jesus is intended that we invite outsiders and enemies as guests into a safe community. That community is called the kingdom of God. To do that, we have got to begin to change the way we think. We have to redefine our identity because what we do is we say, okay, we're going to be safe here because we all believe the same thing. We have the, the, the same theology and we, we do the same actions and we're all safe here. And so to show up here, show me your identity. Okay, I'll look at your ID. Okay, you can come in. You can be part. Jesus said, no, 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 no. What I want to do is I want to redefine your identity. I want you to open up yourself so that you reach out to those 
that need to have a safe place and you invite them in to be part of your journey, part of your quest. See, God redefines our identity. It's a calling, and that calling is that we invite others into a safe community. If I could be so bold to say that every seat in this place would be filled, if we open ourselves up to say, we need to find people who need safety, and we'll invite them to walk with us in our community. They will find safety here. Don't need to find people who are already part of the community someplace else. We don't need to find people who agree to our theocracy. We need to find people who will need safety and say, come walk with me. Because in this community, we will find that the community restores order to the world. So after Jesus called a group of people to follow him, they end up in Capernaum. And here's what happens. Mark records it. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. And the evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. And the people were so all amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. Here's why we need to know what God speaks. Here's why. Here's why you need to know what's in this book. Here's why we need to know exactly what's here. This is God speaking because we are to speak it into our world. That's why Jesus was so obviously different. For the first time since creation, there was this one in perfect relationship with God, speaking God's words with God's authority. When Adam was confronted by this evil voice, by Satan himself, instead of confronting, he listened to what he should have said. No, but God said this. This is what God said, and the spirit would have been pushed back. I want to propose to you this morning that lies not immediately confronted with truth become alternate realities. Let me show you how that works. And, and please excuse me, I'm not trying to condemn anybody, but I just want to say uh, this is an example of how this transpires. Some of you seated in this place this morning have many sexual partners. And you feel like, I've, I've, I've thought about it, and, and I think it's really okay. Jesus still loves me. That's cool. I'm all right. That's an alternate reality. Because if you begin to read this book, you find out how Jesus created our sexuality and how it should happen with health and joy. But when, but when I get inundated in my home with program after program after program that has no sexual boundaries. When I sit at, at Cinemark and, and in Tinseltown and I hear, I, I see that on and on and on again, or when I hear it in my, in, in my music, in my tunes, and I, and I listen to that, and it just, it, it, 
It begins to become an alternate reality unless I stop it and say, no, but the Lord says. That I'm very careful in my home to say, no, can't do that because the Lord says. I say to my children, I see that happening, but this is what the Lord says. It's not enough for me to say to my children, you can't watch this because it's not good for you. What I need to say to them is if you watched it, this is what this says, but this is what God says. Now we've got to believe what God says. What happens is if we do not do that, if we do not change that, that alternate reality to what is truth, unless we understand what that says and begin to speak it into our atmosphere. Then a lesser God with lesser power and lesser authority begins to rule in my life and attack me. Will attack my marriage, will attack my children, will attack my job, will attack my friendships. Because I have opened the door for that alternate reality which is ruled by a lesser God. Jesus said, what I want you to do is I want you to speak the truth and you take authority over that thing. Because when Jesus began to teach with authority for the first time. The spirits said, whoa, what is this? And they backed off. Our job, our task, until Jesus returns to take us to be with him forever, is that we must know his words and speak his words in our world. It is that is that action, that belief that pushes back the spiritual forces and brings order, brings God's order back the way that he designed it. Pastor Jason, come on up and, and join me. This morning we wanted Pastor Jason and one of the youth named Grace to uh, share a story, and I think we have a picture of Grace up here. Grace has been part of the youth group, and you began to declare some truths of God about, about healing. Talk about what happened. Yeah, um, we... Uh up at, up at the summit with the youth, we've just been uh, creating opportunities that if students need to be healed, uh, sickness, whatever it is, that we would just spend time praying for them. And uh, we've been seeing healings happen. And uh, one night, John and I uh, were up there, and uh, at the end, Grace approaches us, and she goes, I need prayer for healing. And we're like, okay, well, what is it? And she moves her hair back, and uh, we have permission to tell this, uh, and she moves her hair back, and uh, there was this growth protruding out of the side of her neck. It was, like, extremely noticeable. So she had been hiding it uh, with her hair. And uh, she said, uh, you know, the, they, the doctors think that this is cancerous. And this actually runs in my family. Uh, and I am believing that God will heal me tonight uh, if you would just pray for me. And so John and I are like, okay. So we lay hands on her and we pray. And uh, she goes home. And the next morning, I get a text message. And she said, I went to bed, and it hurt in my neck, and there was a growth on my neck, and I woke up, and I am pain-free, and there is no growth. <laughs> so me being a big man of faith, I text her back, I'm like, seriously? <laughs> So she ends up coming to see me, and she pulls back her hair, and there's absolutely nothing there. And I said, 
let me see the other side. <laughs> so, pull back her hair, there's nothing there. So then I'm like, you got to tell John this. So I bring her over to John, and, and John was like, really? Serious? Like, is this a joke? Like, you being serious? So, um, and so we've been asking and just checking up, and, you know, she went to the doctor. There's nothing there. There is no pain. There is no growth. It is a total miracle of God. Thank you. So here's my challenge for you. I don't know why Grace got healed, and some of you in here have not been healed yet. But this I do know. When they began to speak the truth that God said is truth, it began to bring things back in order. So whatever you're facing right now, whether it is physical or financial or relational, you find what this book says about it, and you begin to speak it out because God will bring those things in order. But you can't do that if you don't know what's in there or if you don't have time to think about it or meditate upon it. The psalmist David said, on this law, on, on this book, I meditate both day and night so that my roots are like they're right next to a stream so that whenever fruit is needed, whenever the season is ready for fruit, I bear fruit because I meditate on this scripture. It puts things back in the order that God had intended. Tell you what else happens, and you'll read it in this book, is that the hero, Jesus, announces that there will be a holy social system upheaval. We are inundated, even in the church, with norms of structure. This is how we should be, and here's how we treat certain people. This book helps break down social systems that contain elements of evil that are larger than the sum of one's evil acts. Jesus said, watch what I'm telling you, read it there, and follow it, because I will tell you how my image bearers are to treat the people of the world. Jesus makes it very clear, and Mark records what happened. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, who was a tax collector, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who did what? Followed him. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but to call the sinners. Tax collectors were in collusion with the Roman Empire, and therefore they were traitors. So he said, anybody you consider a traitor, Jesus is talking about them. And sinners... The word means sinner. It means that you haven't, you haven't reached the norm of, of what is acceptable in God's kingdom. And Jesus is eating with them. And in, day, in Jesus' day, you didn't eat with people unless you were their friend. That was part of the friendship pact. And what amazes me here is he said they were also followers, these sinners, these traitors. They were also followers. Sometimes followers are not yet believers. But they're invited into the safety of the community because that's what we do. We are fishers of men. Sometimes our orthodoxy, which is the right belief, or orthopraxy, which is the right thing to do, excludes people. And Jesus said, I just want you to know the reason I include people is the very reason you exclude them. 
because they need a doctor. So you need to let the people in that don't quite believe what you believe, and you've got to let the people in that don't quite practice what you practice. Not that you agree with what they're doing, but you agree with the fact that Jesus didn't befriend a culture, but he did befriend people. Those who need healing and restoration. Because if we are speaking with authority, then we have God's authority to speak healing words into people's lives. Pam and I had some friends that we knew in Sacramento, California years ago when we were there, and these friends moved to a, a small town in Nevada. just happened to be a town with legalized prostitution. They were in Nevada so that they could be just what we're saying here. They're on this quest. They're on this, this way of reordering the world and, and, and loving people who nobody else would seem to love and to invite them into this, this community of, of safety. People that others would say, yeah, they're no good, they're stalkers. No, 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 they're invitees. Here we go. So one evening they got a call, and I don't know how the connection was made, but they said, hey, can you come pray for this girl? She's one of our workers. It was, at a, it was a, a cat house, and, and will you come and pray for her? She's really sick. We don't know what to do. So they said, yeah. So they, so they entered in, and they went to that place, and, and they laid hands on her, and they prayed for her, and they realized how sick she was and how she would need to recover, and they said, this is not the place where she recover. Have her come to our house, and we will take care of her. So they brought her home. Now, understand, she didn't come to their house saying, I believe in Jesus, and I give up my practice. She came as, as, a, as a, a pagan slut. And they said, come home to safety. So they nursed her back to health, and all the time she's saying, why are you doing this? And, they, and just being there, they began to see who Jesus is in these people, and they began to speak the truth out of this book. Not in a condemning way, oh, thou sinner, go to hell. They began to talk about who Jesus is and his love, and, and, and she said, well, we got to go back and tell some of my friends this stuff. And so they'd head back, and they'd, they'd get together with a bunch of the, the prostitutes, and they would talk about this stuff. Eventually, she said, I, I got to give this up. Why? Because, because I think Jesus wants me to stop doing that. But I want to tell you that they befriended her not because she was going to make that choice. They befriended her because she needed to be in a community of safety. If we're going to do that, then we've just got to start tearing down some walls, some boundaries. See, we, we have this thing where it's us and them. It's us here on Sunday morning on Oliver Road, and it's those people over there at the Plymouth and, and, and wherever else they're gathering. And, and so then, then we'll send a couple people over to the Plymouth and go, love Jesus, and we'll run back to our safe little group. That's stupid. Jesus said, break down the walls and scatter the church and take a quest, staying true and loyal to Jesus and holy before him, but enter into those places where people need to know that they can find safety in a community of safety where Jesus is the center. You say, oh, I can't go to those places because I'll be tempted. Well, if you're going to be tempted, don't go there, but get your life straightened out so you're not tempted. Because Jesus said, I'm telling you, You've got to be fishers of men. That's your new identity. And if you're going to do that, you've got to go where they are. You can't, you, can't, you can't expect them to show up here and say, you know, someone said the church is just a big aquarium where the pastor hooks a couple every week. Ah. 
you know that, that in the early church, that they got so comfortable with each other? We had a small group leaders meeting last night. We talked about this. They got so comfortable with each other that they, they didn't want to go out where it was uncomfortable and in those places where the outsiders were. And finally, to do what Jesus told them to do, which was go out and make disciples and go make fishers, be fishers of men, he sent a persecution to get them out. So if we in America don't do what Jesus wants us to do because he said do it, don't be surprised if we get a persecution because he's more interested in people coming into the community of faith than he is us being comfortable in our little holy huddles. There is a reason why Jesus wants sinners to hang out with him. There's this great story of these friends who had a, a paralytic friend and they wanted him to be healed by Jesus, so they carried him to Jesus, and they had to go through a whole lot of trouble to get to Jesus, and they finally got him in front of Jesus. And to their surprise, Jesus said, okay, your sins are forgiven. And the religious people said, whoa, 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 only God can forgive sins, and Jesus wants them to understand that's the way God intended the world to be. He's going to forgive sins. Mark records this. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat, your mat and walk. But that may you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up and take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. What does this quest look like we're on? Look at Jesus. And Jesus said, do what I do. So here's what you do. You walk out and you get with people and you invite them into the community of, of safety, which is not just here on a Sunday morning, but it's wherever you eyes are hanging out together, whether you're over at, at Panera or someplace else and you invite other people and they, you just invite them into the safety so that they will get a fresh relationship with Jesus. So also that we can heal broken bodies, so that we can mend broken social systems, and that we can, we can free those enslaved under the existence of ruling powers. It means that we must tear down the gates of our orthodoxy, that the followers of Jesus may not even believe in him yet and may not be very clean, but we're still going to eat with them. And the reason I can do this is because Jesus did it and he's Lord. So I can say to people around me, come on, hang out with me. And we'll eat together, and I will speak Jesus' words to you. And I'll show you how Jesus lives. And I will protect you from the spiritual forces that attack you. And that is why we need this book. Because we've got to get to that place that we're willing to do that. And there is inside of us sometimes those things that resist God's intention. That's why I, am, I implore you. Get into a place where you can study God's Word, and if you're not studying God's Word with a group of people, please go do it, because God has gifted certain people to teach. Go and be with them and understand this. You must, if you're a follower of Jesus, you must learn what's in this book, and you must be with those gifted as teachers and let them teach you. And if you just take our, our service folder, you'll see list after list after list of opportunities. Secondly, I'm gonna, I want you to get involved in a small group because not only will you study God's Word or hear about God's Word, but that is a place where you practice God's Word and you say, are you doing it? Are you doing it? Are you doing it? 
And thirdly, I want to, I want to tell you, I, go get a journal. You say, have you got any more? No, but, but if you go to the bookstore, you'll see a little book that says journal on it. And if you need help, I'll take you there. And, and go on version or someplace else. Just, just Google Bible reading system and make sure it's the real Bible. And just, just get a system of starting to read to the Scripture. Some take you right through in a year, some two years. Some say, here's, here's an Old Testament verse and a New Testament. You say, what's the difference? Get the podcast. I talked about it last week. And begin to read that stuff. And begin to write it and let it read you. When we let this book read us deep inside, things come in order and we change because we become his image. And no power or culture in this world can keep God's intention boxed up when we are his image. That is his intention. That's what this word means. You can't keep God boxed up. He said, you are the folks who are going to bring him to the place that others will see him. That is our quest. And my question to you this morning is, who do you know that needs to know that God remained? Would you stand? So may you this week be reminded by his Holy Spirit that the power you need, the wisdom you need, the authority you need, you will find in his holy word. May you have the courage and the discipline to rise up early and to read. May you at night lay your head on your pillow with the words of God's word repeating into your mind. And may you find throughout the day those words be that which upon which you meditate upon. And may you speak those words into your home and your place of employment and your world, and may you see this world come to order by the authority that God has given you. May you be changed as you change this world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.